Welcome to Footnotes, the Roar podcast where we explore the stories in and around the McGill Library and Archives. Nothing is off topic. We share stories from our collections that are off the wall, out of the box, off the shelves, from us to you, wherever you get your podcast. We have short pods like this one, called Footnotes, and longer pieces, called Voices from the Footnotes. Look for these on the website. While the library doors have been closed due to COVID-19, the library staff have been busy. This is a series where we get to know the people behind the desk, or, in the case of the pandemic, behind the screens. Join us as we meet the librarians, archivists, and staff at Roar. Before we begin, we acknowledge that McGill University is situated on the traditional territory of the Ganiagahaga, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst nations. We recognize and respect the Ganiagahaga as the traditional custodians of the lands and waters on which we meet today. I'm Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer for the podcast and today's host. Today, we meet Anna. My name's Anna Dysert. I'm um, a uh, cataloging librarian, archivist uh, with collection services. So that's the sort of behind the scenes unit in the library uh, where we do everything from, or my colleagues do everything from receiving books and processing books that are that are new to the library to ebooks to cataloging, different sorts of cataloging. And I specifically work on the team that does uh, rare book cataloging and archival processing. Um, and I specifically do new archival descriptions um, maintain old archival descriptions, uh, manage our database of archival descriptions, which we call the McGill Archival Collections Catalog, and is created using a software called Atom. So you will hear both interchangeably, probably. I've worked in this position since 2017 or 18, uh, and before that I was a librarian at the Ozer Library, the History of Medicine Library. And something that somebody might not know about me, I think my colleagues in collection services maybe know this if they, when they used to hang around my desk and look at my figurines, but I am a huge Star Trek fan. <laughs> and I, before, before, when I, my previous desk, I had my three Beverly Crusher figurines, my spirit animal. <laughs> Excellent. So I take it by there the it is. <laughs> way that you're a fan of Beverly Crusher. So you have a specific series that you are the most fond of. Well, I grew up on TNG, so I love everything. I mean, not a, not. A, I mean, I can't, I have a hard time with original series, but everything after that, I love. But I did grow up on the Next Generation, so. You'd be surprised that when you ask them that question, you can hear that everyone has some an inner trekking, perhaps that's just waiting to get out <laughs> after you've had an yeah, universe, right? <laughs> or the right company and a sympathetic ear, and you have a secret hand signal, and there you go, <laughs> trekking comes out. But that's nice to know. Fun fact: Beverly Crusher is from TNG. The next generation. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. TNG, wherein most of the women are in caregiving professions, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. So why don't you tell me, if you throw your memory back to before your TNG days as you were growing up, what's one of your earliest <laughs> memories of going to a library, using a library? My earliest, yeah, my earliest memories of going to a library. Well, I think that, uh, I think that probably this is very, very common to librarians today, but I have very, very clear memories of both my school library my elementary school library and of course my public library and I think that this is this is you know these public libraries and the school libraries that we grow up with I think I think they tend to be so influential in this career choice and yet I find myself I'm so I'm so you know when you become you actually you start to you know become an academic librarian and you work at a university as I was re reflecting on this it's really nice to think back to your roots like school librarians and public school librarians this is just it's it's just like unbelievably crucial <laughs> um I I have worked in public libraries in in the past I feel like we can we can try to keep these memories with us as we work in like large university libraries and these environments that seem a bit removed. Um, but I remember anyway, just something that I was thinking about as I was thinking about this, I, I remember very, very distinctly my little classroom library when I was in elementary school, I was in Montessori grades one through three, I don't know which grade exactly, but I remember so well that little corner that they had carved out with this lovely little library. And um, I remember specifically the section with all of the, the Babysitter's Club Little Sister books. Maybe you remember those. Um, and like I said, nothing, nothing in particular, but just such a strong visual memory of it and such a, such a warm association, right? It's such a fond memory. Um, and of course, my public library uh, growing up in, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I remember still, again, this, you know, very visual memory of browsing the shelves, discovering all those numbers, you know, the Dewey Decimal numbers and what they mean, um, and just it being this place of uh, just discovery and serendipity and finding things that you didn't even know you were interested in until you saw a book on it. I just, I just love that. How old were you when you understood what the Dewey Decimal System was? Oh, you know, I, I honestly, I have no, I have no idea. I don't know what age I'm talking about here, but I do remember, I do remember at some point figuring out that all these little numbers were codes. This is like, once you figure, once you crack that, you had this, like, you had this, like, uh, you know, like a code breaker, right? You were, uh, it was, it was amazing. You could, you could, you knew that everything that was in, I don't know, 800 was literature and everything in 200 was about, you know, religion and all the you know all these all these fascinating things like once you figured it out I think like the 900s are history right um anyway once you you know once you once you sort of cracked it you just had this this way in it was so interesting future catalog yeah I don't know what you're doing right there. that's what you write in your memoirs oh, no, of a future I, cataloger you're right you see an organizational <laughs> system as an avenue of discovery I agree with you, of course. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm a librarian, so it makes perfect sense to me. However, I, in the past, worked in a public library, and I know that there are a lot of children 
who discover based purely on color and the Dewey Decimal System doesn't even become an understandable concept until way later in life. So well done to your past self. Yeah, you, you, you knew perhaps that you would wind up in cataloging. Well, thank you. <laughs> That is funny. I never thought about it that way, but but you're right. I don't know why the little why the little numbers interested me in particular, but they did. So there you go. <laughs> Look to the show notes on our website for additional material and to explore the projects that the Roar team is working on. Our title song, called Happy Sandbox, was composed by Mative and sourced from freesound.org. You can find all the credits on our show notes. Thank you to Professor Natalie Cook, director of the project at Team Horror, and to Sheetal Lodia, the producer of the podcast. I'm Jacqueline Sundberg, associate producer and host for this episode. Thanks for listening.